recording going here. So, um, interesting lesson. It's, uh, to be honest with you, it took me uh, a lot of the week to kind of wrap my head around what message I was actually hearing that comes out of this period of time. Because if, if, we're, if we're going back and we're looking at the idea that the saints were growing step by step, and, and you see what next step did they need to move to, and then what revelations come in around it, and what events drive it, and who is in the church, and, and you see all of these factors coming together to shape in a way where, where the, uh, the growth of the church goes. So we have this, uh, so this is, this is a big moment in the church and it redefines a lot of things even that we are recipients of today. Uh, we have the, um, just by way of history, and I, I decided not to go through uh, a lot of details, it's kind of a painful part of our history. We were talking last week that uh, in, in the summer of 1833 that the, the, those in Jackson County um, were really becoming more and more alarmed by a lot of things about the saints. We went through a lot of those uh, last week. Uh, but they remember they extract a promise after they, after they destroy the printing press and they uh, tar and feather uh, Bishop Partridge. Uh, they extract a promise and they have them signed that says half the saints will leave in, on April 1st or January 1st the other half will be gone by April 1st. So by spring all the Mormons should be out of Jackson County and they force them to sign that. Uh, when Oliver Cowdery goes back to Kirtland and talks to Joseph, part of the, the revelation that comes in reaction to that is don't sell the properties. Hang on to the property, in fact buy more is number one and then number two engage the law so what happens is is that the saints in Missouri engage four attorneys uh, from Clay County to represent the church in court and to represent them in front of uh, the governor so now they have legal representation uh, now again governor Conklin's way of looking at that was well let's just set up a an independence we're gonna have a a, uh, a hearing you guys come down and, and testify and they're like uh, no they said they would kill us if we show up okay uh, so uh, by by late October it becomes apparent to the old settlers that the Mormons aren't leaving they've got legal representation they're gonna fight it they're not they promised they would and they're not so they did they did uh, prairie vigilante justice which was really common at the time which is then we will take into our own hands and starting on October 31st for about uh, to about November 6th they go on a raging rampage they start an independence they burn the houses they burn the crops they beat the men they drive everybody out of doors uh, and the Saints begin to are now turn from Saints to refugees and they begin to stream north to the Missouri River um, then they ride the, the Blue River down in, uh, to the next county down there and they go after the Colesville Saints and the settlements that are down in there they do the same thing uh, so by November 6th all, a thousand Saints have all been driven out of their houses they are now on either side of the banks of the Missouri River um, oops waiting to get across 
And they and uh, remember, this is November in Missouri. I mean, it's cold. It's snowing. There's storms rolling through, and it's just a miserable type of experience. Uh, Susan Easton Black talks about the fact that one of her accounts says that Jackson County people that found Saint Still on the uh, the uh, the south side of the Missouri River were set to attack them. There's a storm that night uh, that uh, the men spread out across the river, hand to hand and they pass the saints uh, across till and they're in the middle of a driving rainstorm that drives the the um, the mobbers off for a night they're going to come back the next morning and finish the job and by the, but by moving the saints across the river all night long uh, they're all on the other side they're just kind of bedraggled wet soaked and and there they are and we're out of Jackson County uh, now we turn into refugees um, this is the one moment, by the way, that the southern mentality actually saved the saints. The southern uh, people from the south that were living in Clay County aren't going to abide landholder, landholders, Mormons, in their county. But what happens if you've got refugees in your county? Mm-hmm. Well, now you can hire them as housemaids. You can hire them to work your crops. You know, they're not slaves, but they're kind of sharecroppers, in a sense, because now you're a lower caste. You don't, you're not a threat to us. So they actually took in a lot of the saints to, like I say, cook their meals and work their crops and, and all of those kind of things. And that actually what saved the saints that next winter is that in this humbled, bedraggled state, now you can be the southern gentleman and bring them on in and hire them to do your stuff. And that's how the saints get through that, that coming spring. And that's fine until a couple of years later when they do the same dang thing. They buy land, you know, they start to build it, it's prospering more than theirs, and they just keep coming, and then, we have to, then we're going to go through the 1838 uh, expulsion that we'll talk about in just a few weeks, okay? So, um, any questions on that? I don't want to spend too long on that. Okay, now, the, uh, the short answer, I'm going to kind of lay out the history and then we'll go back and look at the doctrine that, that came out of this. We know that as a result of that, we read last time Joseph Smith's response and his, he's heartbroken. He's heartbroken for a number of reasons, uh, not just the fact that uh, the saints are going through horribleness, but this is Zion and we're being kicked out of Zion and everything that we've been doing is to get us ready for Zion, to build the temple, for the place for the Savior to return so the second coming arrives. That's what we're doing. The redemption of Zion is our sole focus. Zion falls and we're not, we don't have access to independence and now you've got to rechange. What are you going to do? How do you, how do you fight this? Well, the initial response was, well, we fight it. Okay? And we're going to talk about section 103 in just a second. But uh, from this then comes the uh, Zion's camp experience. Uh, that the, the, the um, revelation is going to come in February 1834. And, and you know this one. Of the, if, if you need 500. If you can't have 500, get 400. If you can't get 400, get 300. I need at least 100. You know, here comes the army of Israel. And off you're going to go to, to uh, fight. And so this comes in February. And in May, now it's better weather. Off they go. 
So now we get the Zion's camp uh, and Joseph's division starts from Kirtland. You can see the dates coming through there. Um, somewhere near Springfield, about halfway, they start practicing sham battles. You know, they're, they're marching, they're having shooting practice, uh, learning military techniques about how to... They're going to war. They're all set. Now, Hiram knows of a large group of saints that are up in uh, um, Michigan. And he's going to go up there and he's going to collect another hundred up there. Uh, by the way, it's kind of his ancestral home. Lucy Mack Smith, her, the Macks, go to Detroit and settle that area up there. Okay? The Mack trucks. Mm. Okay? That, so he's going to go up there. So that's kind of his, he's got family up there and there's saints up there. So they, they march down and they're going to they're gonna join around June 13th. And now you're going to, so the, so the saints that approach Jackson County and Clay County where the saints are is about 200 uh, Zion campers. Okay? And, and uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit. They get here. So at that point, 207 men, 11 women, 11 children. Uh, they start to be kind of menaced and warnings. Uh, and, it, and, and it's a little hard to uh, disguise 200 armed men <laughs> marching through Missouri. That certainly gets the attention of the Jackson County people. The word starts to get out that there's a Mormon army coming. Um, that's, uh, that's raised attention by quite a bit. Um, let's see, what else am I going to say about that? Um, and then we're going to have the moment at... Uh, yeah, let's kind of leave it at that point, okay? So, so, so we'll leave them. They're almost to Clay County. Uh, here they come. They're ready to go. And, and let's get an idea of what, the, what they were anticipating. So let's, let's go over to uh, section 98. I changed this over, uh, by the way, the reason we kind of got a little different setup here, we changed it from VGA uh, to HDMI, and I'm hoping that for those on the back that maybe some of the scriptural stuff is a little clearer than maybe it has been in the past. For that in the videos, I, I don't know, but is that, is, can you see it pretty well back there? Okay. All right. Um, this is, a, so I'm going backwards, so here's, here's kind of the doctrinal part of this. And, th and I think this has huge ramifications for us rolling forward in our lives on a regular basis. Um, Section 98 is actually given in uh, August 1833. <clears throat> this is when they first find out about the first, uh, that Zion is falling and the saints have signed the declaration that they're going to leave. So this has sometimes called, been called the, uh, the uh, law of war, or I would call it the, the law of vengeance. At what point is vengeance uh, or war justified? Um, and, and I want you to listen to the Lord's words uh, to them at this point. 
Uh, I say unto you, my friends, fear not. Let your hearts be comforted. Rejoice evermore in everything. Give thanks. Wait patiently on the Lord, for your prayers have entered into the, the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. And Sabaoth is God of armies. Okay. This wire from Is it crackling a little bit? Yeah. Try not to touch that wire. Over I won't touch on it. Your right side. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good. To my name's glory, saith the Lord. Now, listen to the direction here. The law of the land is constitutional. Six, therefore I, the Lord, justify you and your brethren of my church in befriending that law, which is the constitutional law of the land. This is where they were understanding that they need to engage the attorneys to begin to fight back. Work within the law. As pertaining to the law of man, whosoever is more or less of this cometh of evil, I, the Lord, make you free. Therefore you are free indeed, and the Lord also, and the, the law also maketh you free. The, this is what the founders of the, 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 the nation and the writers of the Constitution understood. It's, it's called natural law. It means that God has granted us rights, and it's the job of the government to protect natural divine rights. Government doesn't give you rights. Government protects God-given rights is how that's supposed to work. To life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, government doesn't give that to you. God did. Government has to protect those laws. That was, that was the understanding then of the founders, and it's also the understanding here. Okay? So they're being deprived of their God-given rights to property uh, by the mobsters. Okay? Alright, so, nevertheless, when the wicked rule, the people mourn. Huh. Yes. Um, and honest and wise men should be sought for diligently. Yeah, got it. It's about the law. Now, this is kind of the heart of this when we start taking a look at this. And this is why I think this has ramifications sometimes even in our own lives. 14. Therefore, be not afraid of your enemies, for I have decreed in my heart that I will prove you in all things, whether you will abide in my covenant even unto death. Even unto death. This theme is about to start coming up, and it's going to come up here, and it's going to come up in section 103. These members of Zion's camp, often, as they were getting ready to leave, Joseph said it, other brethren said it, turned to their families as they started off on Zion's camp, and they said, I don't know if I'll ever see you alive again. I'm expecting to go off to Missouri and probably die. It was an Abrahamic test of really large proportions. Based on this and the conversations around, uh, if you're going to go do this, don't worry, your life is in my hands and I've prepared mansions for you and everything. There's, there's a sense that says this is a life and death mission. I will prove you in all things whether you will abide in my covenant even unto death that you may found, be found worthy. Okay, verse 16. Therefore, here's the law of Zion. And the Lord hasn't revoked this. Renounce war and proclaim peace. Now, how do you do this? How do you renounce war and proclaim peace? 
See if the next sentence makes some sense to you if you're looking at it in this context. Renounce war, proclaim peace, and do what? Diligent, seek diligently to turn the hearts of the children to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers to your children. You didn't see Malachi's promise coming in here, did you? Okay? That's your job. Is to uh, when, when we're talking about the, uh, the role of the Savior, we talked about this a little bit, the role of the Savior, and it comes all the way through over and over and over in, in the Joseph Smith papers. The role of the Savior had three, three important parts. Um, reclaim the dead, beat death, heal the diseased, and restore relationships. The Savior's job is to restore relationships. As mortals, He's restoring the relationship between us and the Father, because we're fallen. And then also He's to restore relationships where? Inside our own families. I'm going to restore relationships. I'm going to seal couples together. I'm going to give you eternal families. All the way through, our job is to uh, turn the hearts of the children to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the children. That's how peace occurs. Think about last time you were arguing with your teenager. Okay? Alright, now, again, the hearts, uh, and he includes, and not just these guys. Look what else your, your responsibility is. Eleven. And now the hearts of the Jews to the prophets. And the prophets to the Jews. What? Where are the hearts of the Jews turned to currently? Rabbis. Oh. The Pharisees, the, the struggle for the Pharisees is they lived, for instance, under rabbinical law. So they were going on, on the, not necessarily, even though they revere Abraham, they're following the rabbis. So what happens if, if you're going to restore the Jews to the prophets? Which prophets are they going to hear about? The Abraham covenant, Enoch, all of those kind of things. Uh, Joseph, wow. There's all the stuff that we have as Latter-day Saints that we want to restore to the Jews when they're ready to hear. Okay? Alright. So, now, let's like, now, 18. Let your hearts not be troubled. Those of you who are going to go help on this thing. Um, for in my Father's house are many mansions. I prepared a place for you. <laughs> Can you hear it? You might die. This is serious. These mobsters are really bad, and we're going to send, we're going to go redeem it. But you got, if you're going to redeem, you got to recognize that you got to put your life on the line, and your life is on the line here. Now, but listen very closely here, and here's the part that I think, um, here's what they didn't understand. And I, and, and I think when we, when we talk, when we think about Zion and Zion's camp and all of those, uh, first of all, if I, uh, if, if I were to ask you right now, we're going to start talking about what happens when Zion camps arrive. But we know this story. If you're reading Saints, you already know the story. Number one, was, was Zion's camp successful in what they set out to do? No. 
what, what, what did they set out to do? Redeem Zion. Get the saints back into their lands. Was that accomplished? No. No. They failed at that. Okay? So number two was, we're going to do whatever it takes to get the saints back onto their lands in Jackson County. Did that occur? No. No. Okay? So for all intents and purposes, this was a colossal failure. Now, this is one of those moments, though, where we have what I call gospel pockets. We have quick answers, and they're sitting in our duffel bag. And when we're in gospel doctrine and somebody asks a question, we go, Oh, I have that answer. And we pull that thing out. You know? Like Peter. Well, Peter denied the Savior. Really? Okay, but why did Peter deny the Savior? Because he asked him to. Well, no, because he didn't have the Spirit. He, had, he was going to get the Spirit on Pentecost. We got that answer. The real answer is the Savior asked him to, but that's a different deal here. We have pockets that we put those answers into. Okay? This is one of those. Was Zion's camp successful? No. No. Uh, then what was the purpose of Zion's camp? Refining and sifting. It was a defining and sifting. Refining. Yes. Refining and sifting who? The brethren that went on the... Yeah, and we're going to find out at the end of this lesson why this was so important. This is a more di difficult, nuanced answer. But technically, at the time, especially for a number of brethren who went on this, on this trip, who apostatized, this was a colossal failure. We came to fight. <laughs> we ain't fighting. <laughs> and the people are still stuck in Clay County. Okay? Alright, now, so, so the, Lord in, but the Lord in August is going to lay this thing out. And, and we've heard this one, right? So here's the law of vengeance. Without even looking at this, what is the law of vengeance? When, are you, when, are you, when is it alright? When are you justified to somehow take revenge or to fight? After three offenses. After three offenses, right? Section 98 says that, right? Uh, okay, let, let me speak about... Um, um, if, you get, if you get smitten and you revile not against them, you shall be rewarded. 23. 25. If your enemy shall smite you the second time and you revile against your enemy and bear it patiently, your reward shall be... There's two. Okay? Uh, and 26. And if he shall smite you the third time and you bear it patiently, your reward shall be doubled fourfold. And these three testimonies, 27, shall stand against your enemy. If he repent not, shall not be blotted out. Therefore, we can take a look at this and say, okay, you give them three chances. And if, the, if they blow three chances, take them out. <laughs> you are now justified to go get them. Okay? <laughs> Wait a minute. And this is the moment where early last week I went, man, that just does not feel good. <laughs> that something about this is not coming together for me. That you're going to give them three shots, and if they screw up after, if they keep attacking you after three times, go get them, and, and you have my blessing. Does that make sense? American baseball. <laughs> well, in baseball, right? If if you get, if if you're going to prance around after a home run, you are you. It, it's written baseball law that you plunk him the next time he comes up. You you lay a fastball right between his shoulder blades, and then the, then the bench is 
clear. <laughs> You're right. Baseball has its own unwritten rules. It's weird. Okay, but that just didn't make sense to me. It didn't seem like a, in a forgiveness of seventy times seven. It just didn't ring really true. Okay. So I had to go back and kind of read, and this is where I really struggled until I started reading very closely. Um, now, what about verse twenty-eight to warn him. Yes, that's different than pummeling him. Yes. Now he's going to give you a hint here. Thirty-two. This is the law I gave unto my servant Nephi. Oh. That they should not go out unto battle against any nation, kindred, tongue, or people, save I, the Lord, commanded them. That's a little different from you got carte blanche. To just go, go rail away. I, the Lord, command them... Now, look at this. 36. And I, the Lord, would give unto them a commandment and justify them in going out to battle against that nation, tongue, or people. But then here comes the kicker. And it's the one that I think Zion's camp people didn't see. And I think sometimes those that do a cursory reading of section 98 think that I, I get, they get three strikes and then I can go get them. And, and it's the one that is there at 37 that says what? I, the Lord, will fight their battles. You have to be willing, but then what happens? I, the Lord, will fight your battles. Now, in the history of this church, we have actually raised three armies armies three times under the banner of the church and off they have gone to war uh, uh, specifically these three armies would be what? Zion's camp Mormon battalion and and the Utah war Zion's camp Mormon battalion Utah War. Of, of those three, Zion's Camp, Mormon Battalion, Zion's War, how many battles did all three armies fight? Zip. Well, that's sort of not true. The Mormon Battalion fought a, a herd of bulls. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and, and it was a draw. <laughs> okay. Um, was there ever a part where the Mormons were fighting back and lives were taken? Yes. Crooked River, where David W. Patton is killed, and we'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Joseph didn't sanction it. The Lord didn't sanction it. This was vigilante stuff going back and forth between these guys. Okay, But three times we've sent armies out, and every time there's been intervention and war never came, even though they had to be willing to fight. Even Lot's, Lot's raiders during the Utah War would come across a, a supply train coming from part of Johnson's army, and what would they do? Um, you guys need to leave the wagons because we're going to burn the wagons. 
and all the supplies. Yeah, no, don't burn the supplies. Yeah, we're burning the supplies. And they would burn all the wagons. That's why Johnson's army bogged down, had to stay the winter in Wyoming, and they weren't real happy, but it gave the winter time to resolve the conflict. Okay? So we've never fought. Because why? Because the Lord intends to fight our battles. So isn't that interesting? I'm, so, so the law of vengeance that's coming out of here says uh, three times you'd be justified, but justification, uh, and let me take a step back for a second, don't think about justification like rationalizing. Anywhere in the scriptures, what does justification mean or justifying? Things are put in the right place. When we go to Moses 6 and we talk about justification and sanctification and all these kind of high-minded kind of things. Boil that down quickly. What does it mean to be justified? That's what Christ does, for That's what Christ does for us. Christ steps in and does for us what we can't do for ourselves. We don't have the, that's justification. Sanctification means we get exalted. We, we're changed. We're transformed. By our choice, our value. Yeah, the, that we're going to kick in, and now He can transform us and change us, put us there. Okay. Justification is the atonement. Right. It steps in, and He does for us what we can't do for ourselves. Okay. Now. So listen here. When he's talking about, I the Lord would justify them, meaning what? He's not saying, I'm going to rationalize it. I'm going to sign off on this. I'm going to endorse it. What's he saying? I'll take care of it. Think about Liberty Jail. Where are you, Lord? Where'd you go? Where's the pavilion that covereth thy hiding place? And the Lord says, vengeance is mine. And I will repay. Now the stinky part is, he may repay, repay in kindness, and that may drive you nuts. <laughs> but I will do it my way. I, don't, I will fight your battles. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so when we visited Nauvoo a couple of years ago as a family, and my folks happened to be there on a mission, and they were showing us the counties around Nauvoo and down. Right. They have struggled. And they have. Carthage has never kind of got off the... All they've got is a subway shop there. It's kind of... Yeah, none of those have developed or gotten prosperity mm. in any of those counties. Oh, hold, hold on. Wait till we talk about Missouri. <laughs> hold, on, hold on for that one. Okay? All right. So, 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 in other words, one of the messages that's going to come out of here is, that I need you to hear really strongly is that the Lord's message of vengeance and of war is, I will fight your battles. I will do it my way. Okay? Anybody ever gone through and kind of read the history of the, the, like the Revolutionary War and the miracles and the interventions that happened over and over and over to, to save um, George Washington's bacon over and over and over and over? The fogs, the storms. It's an amazing thing. He fights battles and he likes storms. <laughs> he likes storms a lot. <laughs> okay? And that's part of what's going to happen here uh, when, when uh, the mobsters are going to attack uh, Zion's camp and, and the, the saints decide that they are going to uh, Joseph says no we're not going to fight um, we think we've reached a bit of an agreement about maybe buying some lands and we're going to disband Zion's camp but a storm rises up uh, and separates the, the mobsters from Zion's camp so they don't have to fight okay now with that said then, 
um, so there so there's section 98 now I want to hop over I'm now over in section 103 103 is given in in uh, May of 1834. This is, this is no, no. I take it back. It's February 1834. Okay. This is the one that uh, musters Zion's camp. Go get them. Get 500. If you can't get 500, get 400. You know, get them there. Okay. Now, listen to this direction, because if you know what was said in August, now what's said in February will make some sense to you, even in the midst of mustering these guys. Okay. Uh, ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. Verse 3, I have suffered this so far that they might fill up the measure of their iniquities and those who called myself after my name chastened for a little season with a sore and grievous chastisement. They didn't hark together completely and the precepts and commandments which I gave them. Um, Verse 8, inasmuch as they keep not my commandments and hearken not to my words, the, the kingdoms of the world shall prevail against them. They were set to be a light and to be saviors, but they kind of kept fighting among themselves. Now, here's the one that I think they misunderstood. Yeah. Question. Yeah. Who is he referring to? Is he referring to the entire... Um, the, the entire membership or those who are... So here's, some, here's one of those things that we're, we sometimes jump really quick on, and it, it can be another pocket answer. Okay? And that is, Zion wasn't redeemed because the people in Missouri weren't united. So that's why he allowed them to be destroyed. Um, so really it's their fault. It's, a, it's a kind of a backhanded way of saying the, the, the tribulations they went through, if they had been, if they had been one, they'd been okay. So they kind of got what they deserved in a sort of way. You know, it, it sounds really harsh. That's not true. You're going to read on here to find that the church at large, the, the, the outlying churches weren't willing to supply the men. The outlying churches weren't supplying the money. Uh, they were arguing about how to do it. Now, just a reminder on this. Z the, Zion means what? What's the name of Zion? What is Zion translated? Pure in heart and of one heart and one mind. That it, to prepare a people to receive the Savior, you have to be like Him. You have to have the hearts of the fathers turn to the children and the children of the fathers. You've got to be one. Because then when he comes in glory, we will recognize him because we will be like him. We are uni united like he is. The, the church was not united. They weren't ready for this. Could the, church, could the Savior come to the temple today and initiate Zion? No. No. We don't have all things in common. We're not of one heart, one mind. We are not a people prepared for the coming of the Savior. And they weren't either. So everybody was going to kind of suffer some tribulation here. Okay? So yeah, it's kind of a mix. Um, okay, now. Verse 15, though. Therefore I say unto you, the redemption of Zion must needs come by power. 
If you're sitting in that council with Joseph Smith and you're reading this revelation, tell me what that means to you. Well, fight. It's power. Meaning what? An army. So the only way this is going to happen is by power. Real power. What one guy journal I was reading says I'd never shot a gun before, but I went out and got a gun and learned how to fi fire it. You know, Zion has to be redeemed by power. So that means we're going to shoot and they're going to shoot back and they may kill us. We may kill them, but it's going to come by power, okay? Now, I find so look at the next verse though. Redemption of Zion must come, needs to be by power. Therefore I will raise up unto my people a man, Joseph Smith, who shall lead them like as Moses unto the children of Israel. Okay, now I have a question. Those of you who have read at all in the Old Testament. How many battles did Moses fight? I'm not talking about Joshua. I'm talking about Moses. How many battles did Moses fight? Zero. He did it with words. And how else? Faith. Faith. And negotiation with Pharaoh. And but there was one little battle that was fought. And it's that whole Red Sea thing. <laughs> how was that battle won? The Lord fought their battles. They didn't fight their battles. They, the Lord says, I'll do it. I'll give you a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. I will lead you. I will protect you. And if it looks like they're going to destroy you, I will step in with a storm and I'll take you out. And that's what he does. Now, it means having the faith to allow the Lord to fight our battles. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Yeah. To me, this also sounds like Brigham Young. I mean, Moses took them across and out. Yeah. Really does is lead them out. He does. He takes them out there, and he's gonna. They're gonna have to squash some Indian tribes, and they're gonna do that. And and I think some of this behind was uh, that, that when we're not allowing the Lord to fight our battles, that's when we get things like Mountain Meadows, where they they misunderstood, and they felt like they had to go do it themselves. Okay. Got a question. I got a little bit seems like the Lord has kind of changed his approach because when you go back through the Old Testament times and not uh -huh. I mean he protected David many times well you look at uh, David and Goliath yeah I mean there were times when the Lord sent his troops to battle and, and he strengthened them but they actually fought uh huh if there are going to be moments like that, it will be because I command it. Uh, but but a lot of times too, they're just not. We're not listening close enough. The Old Testament is kind of. It's hard to know. The Old Testament was written after the Jews were in um, Babylon. And they've already been destroyed by, and so they're kind of writing retrospectively. And so some of the Old Testament, it's hard to know how much of that is figurative and literal, and some, some of that's going to be tough. But, but, but I think the bottom line here ultimately is saying, yeah, if I command you, do it. But guess what happens? The vast majority of the times, I will fight your battle. Let me do it. Yeah. We're talking about the church as a whole, but I think today maybe them too. This is an individual thing, too, about this justified to be angry, to uh, say, uh, I'm 
thinking from some of my own personal experiences, a divorce. Yes. Wrong by a husband. The bishop is not going after this guy the way he should. Right. Uh, all of this sort of thing. And so you end but you have to, it's really hard to do. It's a hard thing to do. Everybody else is happy and I'm not and all this stuff. I, I don't, you, what, what she's saying is where this really becomes personalized, and I'm glad you're going down this road, is that you're, you're looking at the principle of what's being done here with Zion's camp. Make sh but we have to apply this to our own lives, how we handle vengeance in our own lives. Especially when it's not, it's vengeance because we believe a vast injustice has been done. And, and, and like church leaders don't handle things the way that we wish that they would. Uh, or the law doesn't handle things the way that we wish that they would. Uh, or neighbors don't behave the way that they, we wish that they would. Or a young women's leader doesn't do things the way that we wish that they would. And we feel like our kids or somebody, and we just watch all these things and we go, this just wasn't fair. My righteousness or my obedience or their calling or what we elected them to do should suffice and then they don't do what we expect they're going to do and then an unfairness has been created and the Lord is saying yeah forgive 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 and that's the third time I will take care of it <sighs> okay but I'd like to take care of it no we're not you're not justified to go slash their tires <laughs> <laughs> Let the Lord take care of it. And the bummer is, is that the Lord will do it in His time, not yours. And He will do it His way, not yours. There is some consequences for Jackson County. But it is 35 years away. Well, we'll be finishing with that. Okay, yeah. One more thing on that. If you get to the point where you realize the Lord going to take care of it, you don't know how, whatever, but you turn it back to the Lord. Yeah, it's in, back in your hands. It is such a relief. It's a nice load off your shoulders, isn't it? It's nice to not have to care. It's not our job to judge. Isn't it nice to have a judge in heaven? It's his job. He knows hearts. He knows circumstances. We just let him take care of it. But the problem is, is that when we don't think it's being handled fast enough or in the way that we would like it to be handled, and we'd like to step in and make sure it's done the way that we think it should be. And the Lord's going, I will let me fight your battles. <laughs> I don't know how many times to say that. Yes, I will do this. I like you. I will handle it my way. Yeah. I had a uh, great example of that as a teenager. My father was in California, San Diego, bishop. And he had a store business and he had a straw LBS man working in that stole $25,000 worth of business. Yeah. And so I went to my father and I said, Why are you not pursuing him? Yeah. Why are you Get him. doing this? And he said, Connie, I want you to know something. He says, The day will come. When the Lord will be, will, can do, will do more to take care of this than I could ever do here on Yeah. And he said, plus, if somebody steals and is dishonest, he said, it should eat them alive inside. Five years later, this man came back, apologized, repaid my father, interest everything to clear his heart and soul. 
It was a great lesson. Wow, yeah. yeah. And you let you let those things have their own life to them, okay? And again, think about those times that sometimes in the Lord's vengeance, He will give them space enough for them to come back around, and He will be kind to them. Probably far kinder than we would be because we're when we're angry. You know, it's one of those parenting rules. You don't you don't supply consequences for your kids when you're mad. We if you do it when you're mad, it's far worse. It's short-sighted. I can't believe it's midnight and you're not in here. You are grounded, young man, for the rest of your life. <laughs> or I can't believe you. You are grounded for the next month. And what? And what do they do? Um, we're doing baptism for the dead tomorrow night. <laughs> yeah. Well, except for that one. <laughs> And it is youth conference this weekend. And that one. <laughs> and I'm in the band. And if I, okay. <laughs> you know, like, when, when, we, when we supply those stuff out of anger, it's just like, oh, you're just going to look stupid. <laughs> like, think about it. Take the night to think about it before you decide, let's collaborate, work together to come up with consequences. If you do it out of vengeance, you're going to look dumb. Yeah? Well, what Norm is the greatest story and example about letting the Lord fight your battles. Yeah. Because when um, the Nephites allowed that to happen, they were smarter and wiser in the way they yeah. strategy. Lots of fewer people and usually And then we have that pesky example of the anti-Nephi Lehi's. Yeah. That is the toughest one of all to kind of reconcile that just says, and, and, and I, I believe that those, that the, the 2,000 stripling warriors, many of them were orphans because I think it was their parents that lied down and took it. Yeah. And you go, wow, that, you know, there's a level of not taking vengeance too far that, that the anti-Nephi-Lehi's just blow my mind. They're just off the charts. I, I, I don't even know what to do with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I have some consequences in mind, but I'm not going to tell you till tomorrow. <laughs> that, 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 there is that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Make you make him twist and turn just a little bit. That, that's, really, that's really funny. Okay, so uh, ye are the children of Israel, he says to the, these, these Zion campers, uh, and of the seed of Abraham, and you must needs be led out of bondage by power and with an, a stretched out arm as your fathers were led out at first even so the, shall the redemption of uh, Zion be let your hearts not faint I say unto you as I said unto my father my angel shall go out but not my presence but on this time I'm going to go out uh, and, you're, and in time verse 20 you'll go, my presence will be there uh, and in time you shall possess the goodly land there is a moment just before Joseph goes back to Ohio, and he will never go back to Missouri, well, to Jackson County again, that he quietly, he has somebody take him over the river at night so that he can step one last time in the goodly land uh, before he then goes back to, to Kirtland. Okay. 21, so the man, Joseph Smith is the man. Um, now, 
Look at 24. They also missed this. And it's part of this dialogue. And inasmuch as mine enemies have come against you to drive you from my goodly land, which I have concentrated to be the, the land of Zion, even from your own lands, after these testimonies which ye have brought against them, ye shall curse them. Oh, <laughs> ye shall fight them, smite them, beat them, stab them, shoot them. Ye shall curse them. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I put a quote in here from uh, Richard Bushman from Rough Stone Rolling. And he says, the saints were promised that they would possess the goodly land. But how these men were to engage the enemy is not explained. The saints were to curse them, not shoot them. <laughs> when the little band finally reached Missouri, it was disbanded before a shot was fired. Joseph's military flourishes usually stopped short of battle. It's because the Lord would fight his battles. But they missed this part. They'd literally go off to Zion expecting to, to be buried there. Okay. All right. Let's see if there's anything else in here. No, that's good. So, you kind of get in the flavor of this? That there was a whole, whole uh, the, the understanding was different? Okay. So, uh, questions on this so far? Different than you thought, huh? Okay, so let's hop over to section 105. One oh five is is the cessation of hostilities. There's a uh, group of men that come into, into camp from Missouri. They're going to work out a deal with Joseph Smith that says one of two things will happen. Either the saints will buy out all the lands in Jackson County, pay them three times what it's worth, so there's an incentive for them to move, or the Jackson County old settlers will buy the saints out at three times the value. But, in other, in other, but we'll solve it by buying the land. And Joseph signs the contract on that. They sign it. They're, they're good to go. The problem is when they go off to the old settlers in Jackson County, uh, they say not only no, but heck no. Okay? They want to buy. But it's enough that Joseph says, we are now disbanding Zion's camp. This will be resolved not by battle. It will be resolved by purchasing the properties. Now, the Lord is then going to come behind, and now, and now he's going to fill in the rest of this. Verse 9. Therefore, in consequence of my transgression. What's the transgression? They weren't one. You weren't a united people. You weren't prepared to receive the Savior. And, that's a, and he says that's a transgression. I think that's pretty good. I think our, our churches today are under the same transgression. We're not one. Okay? 
Uh, consequence of the transgression is expedient that my elders should wait a little season for the redemption of Zion. That they themselves might be prepared and that my people may be taught more perfectly and have experience and know more perfectly their duty and the things which I have required at their hands. And this cannot be brought to pass until my elders are endowed with what? Let's address the power thing. Zion can only be redeemed by power. And it has nothing to do with a sword. What does it have to do with? It's the power of God. This cannot be brought to pass until my elders are endowed with power from on high. For behold, I have prepared a great endowment and a blessing to be poured out among them, insomuch they are faithful, uh, and blessings will be poured out and continue in humility. It's expedient that they should wait a season. 14, I do not require their hands to fight the battle of Zion. For as I said in a former commandment, let me remind you, I told you back in August that what? I will fight your battles. But it is true that Zion will be redeemed by power. But it's a different power than you thought. Okay? I, uh, and let's see where was I going to find this I, d I desire that they may be purchased okay now 32 that the kingdoms of this world may be constrained to acknowledge that the kingdom of Zion is in very deed the kingdom of our God and Christ. I say unto you, it is expedient in me that the first elders of my church should receive what? Their endowment from on high in my house, which I have commanded to be built in my name in the land of Kirtland. So, if, if we kind of backpedal out of here for just a second. Okay, so does the Lord have a plan for the redemption of Zion? He does. And, it, and it's this. And I kind of went on and I kind of looked through all of it. And sure enough, here the Lord has a plan for the redemption of Zion. If we put this just a little bit. Step one. Build temples. So, so because this is wonderful. If somebody were to ask you, why was the Kirtland Temple built? After today, your answer should be really simple. Why did they build the Kirtland Temple? To redeem Zion. That was the purpose. Why do we build temples today? To redeem Zion. <laughs> to establish Zion. It's still about establishing Zion. It's never been. But the first step in, in, in redeeming Zion by power is we build temples. Isn't that cool? Now, what happens in our temples? 
We endow our people. With what? Power. Power. From, on high. From on high. Why? Why are we endowing our people with power? To regime Zion. <laughs> it's important to ask what is, what is being redeemed? Redeeming needs to be restored. To yeah, redeeming is restoring. Yes. And in this case, redeeming Zion would be... Restoring Zion. Restoring the, that we're going to be able to build Zion. That means building a temple. Present? The keys that allow you to do that. Yeah. To perform the ordinances. And, and the purpose then of having a temple was they're going to be endowed by power because in that temple, what's going to happen? We'll restore the keys that enable us to do what? Establish Zion, <laughs> you know. But you can't do it without the keys and you can't have the power without the keys, yeah. I have this really big map I got years ago of the world and all the temples. Uh-huh. And, and when I get to teach the young women, I just tell them that's my hope for the world. Is when you see all this rotten stuff going on in the world, look at how many temples there are across the world. And as I was walking down the back hall earlier this morning and saw that golden board peaks in Christ, yeah. the theme, and you see the young people now in the temple. There was a young man that was the officiator at a session Saturday afternoon, and he so young, but it was beautiful to see him standing there. Sure. It, we had a little family party last night, and in the middle of that, uh, my son David says, Okay, trivia question. And he says, How many states in the United States don't have a temple? Well, okay. So there was a little discussion. Do you know how many states in the uh, don't have temples in the United States? Any guesses? No. No. Twenty-five. I thought twenty. I was wrong. Fourteen. Fourteen. So you're right. They're dotting. They're dotting the the earth. Getting back to this uh, redemption, I think what it's referring to is the redemption of man back to his state prior to the fall. And that's, you know, that's faith. That I'm is the power. Okay, remember, and what is the, he, he says, I think it's, rede it's redeeming, uh, the redemption of Zion is actually redeeming them back to the state prior to the fall. Absolutely, because remember, what is the temple? And, and, and especially in like the Jewish mind, the, the idea of the temple is that they were in the Garden of Eden. Right. And then they partake of the fruit, and they have to leave the Garden of Eden, and they go out into the drone, lone and dreary world past the angels. And then the purpose of a temple sitting there is to do what? Go back into Eden. So I'm going to go past the, the, the three angels, the bishop, the stake president, and the temple recommend guy. I'm going back that, past those angels, and I'm going back into the, into the temple, and then into the holy place, and then into the holy... I'm going back into the Garden of Eden, back to the Tree of Life. Yeah, a lot of the early temples, the, the first room was the creation room. Sure, we're going to go back from the creation to the world room to the... Yeah, absolutely. So, that, that's, so you're exactly right. In, in terms of the earthly world, it's the redemption of Zion, the building of the temple. In, but the bigger picture is exactly that. It is, re, it, it is the Savior restoring broken relationships, and ours is broken with the Father at the moment, and the idea is, is that we'll be restored. Okay? Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Yeah? Can you substitute the word 
priesthood? I think so. Is the priesthood organized the world? Yeah. I think those are the keys that drive that, but there is, I think it, the, the priesthood power unlocks a greater power. It is, it is opening heaven and filling us with light. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to build temples. Yeah. Is the church still building land in Missouri? And are they paying three times the amount? She says, is the church still buying land in Missouri? <coughs> yes. They are. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, do you know where the, uh, the uh, backup records for all of the vault, so the, the, all the records that are in the vault, the granite vaults in Salt Lake? Guess where the facility is, the digital backup for all of that stuff? It sits, it sits close by the temple in Missouri. I think that's kind of cool. Are we paying three times a month? Yeah, probably. She says, are we buying, pay? it'd be interesting. It was, it was only Jackson County where we are going to pay three times the amount. Well, maybe yeah, we're not doing that so much in the other ones. Yeah, Cal Caldwell, not so much. Okay, so here's the steps. Build temples, endow my people. What's the next step in redeeming Zion? Send them out. Into the world to find scattered Israel. Where are the people? That's our job. And now we're endowed with power. That's why he's going to say to the saints, to, to the, the Quorum of the Twelve, that I don't know that we're going to get to the uh, Quorum of the Twelve today. Um, but their job was to now be standing ministers to go out and gather scattered Israel in. Because we're not ready yet to receive the Savior because parts of our, our, our tribe, our people, aren't gathered in yet. They're still out there. Go get them. Go find them. Bring them home. We're, we are also like the Savior to restore broken relationships. And, and scattered Israel is not yet restored back to the rest of their, their family, which is Israel. Okay? Alright, send them out to scatter. Then what happens? Now we go out, we gather in scattered Israel. Now what do we do? Our job then is to unify them, to teach them all the things that they need to know, to become one, and to be unified. To create Zion in our heart, and in our families, and in our wards, and in our quorums. By the way, how, the, the, the newest way that we, that we have of, of unifying is ministering. And we minister and then we get them to church and then what do we do? We form councils. Where was the first council? Council in heaven. So it's like this unifying thing happens in councils where we all have a chance to counsel with one another. And you go, well, our councils are kind of lame or I'm not sure I like everybody that's in my council. I don't like doing the circle thing because then I have to look across at sister so-and-so who answers all the questions and always has an opinion on everything. Or, you know, brother so-and-so who is Mr. Know-it-all. We can't get anything past him. You know, so we're trying to have this council where we're going to be talking to people we don't want to talk to. <laughs> Yes. And we're going to do it till we get it right. <laughs> we got to do the council thing. You know, it's funny, and I will hear it sometimes when you look at it. Here's the, the chairs are all set up, and I'll listen to, like, our elders' quorum brethren going in there, and they'll go, Oh, no. <laughs> we got to do that thing again. <laughs> Jerry? Self-reliance is an important 
And part of that unifying then is to say, who is it that doesn't have, who has a need here or a need here or a need here? When you, and you counsel together and you're in groups of people from across the state, so you're building a Zion society. Oh, I think that. Yeah, isn't that cool? Yeah. So part of that is then saying, so we're not one because there's an economic difference or there's an educational difference or something like that, so we're going to unify together so that we are all one. And I think everything that the church is trying to do, and whatever you hear this Saturday, <laughs> will have as its goal a unifying element to endow people with po greater power to redeem Zion. That, that will be the, that's the short path back. Okay? All right. Now, when they're unified, I will redeem Zion. And I will do it my way in my, in my you know, when you have prepared a people ready for me, I will come. I will come as fast as you're ready to receive me. That's how I look at it. I don't know if there's any other steps you'd put in there, but it seemed to me that those seem to be kind of the uh, five-step process that the Lord is rolling out in section 105, trying to say, Zion will be redeemed, but it will be redeemed when you guys build the temple, and you endow my people, and then you send them forth to go gather scattered Israel and bring them home. And then unify them once you get them here. Okay? Yeah, once we're unified, then we can exert our common faith for agreed to objectors and do all the works that God's doing. Yeah, those moments, he says, then we can, then we can do, have a common goal and common faith. And, and I'm, I'm thinking about it at times like, like when we're, we've gone down to uh, Houston for the flood or New Orleans or something like that, and you suddenly mobilize an entire group and say, we can, we can put... President, how many, how many weeks was it between when you first heard we were going to New Orleans and we were actually kind of boots on the ground? Not too many, just in, in New Orleans, like two two weeks maybe. A week or two. Yeah, in other words, so in and we had we sent how many? All the all the stakes up here, and there probably were twelve to fourteen at that time. Yeah. And, and we did it in about a week, week and a half. That was, that was when, how fast and we did the same thing with Houston. And I remember standing in, in uh, Houston talking to some saints while we were trying to, we were looking at an apartment building and a truck drove up and it was some saints from uh, Mississippi. And I said, Mississippi? That I know of Katrina, it kind of veered to the right and you guys got slammed. And, and the guy I'm talking to says, see that guy right there? He lost his entire home. It's all completely gone, and he's here. That's what happens when we get mobilized because we love one another. Okay? There's an incredible power that goes with that. Okay? All right. Um, okay, two last things uh, that I want to finish with. Um, It would be helpful, not from the vengeance side of things, but just kind of from a history side, that you need to know about General Order Number 11. In uh, 1863, uh, during the height of the Civil War, there is a renegade uh, general by the name of Quantrell, Quantrell's Raiders, and they they are battling with kind of the 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 
Kansas Jayhawks, the Red Leggers up there in Can the Kansas Territory. And, and they don't like what's going on up there and they go in and they slaughter a town, about 150, 160 people in Kansas. Uh, the Quantrell Raiders do. In response to that, the, the general of the army of, of the, kind of the western United States issues General Order 11. This is in, in fall of 1863. And what he says was, uh, the counties south of, of the Missouri River, uh, Jackson County and the two counties next to that, are to be scoured and cleansed of everybody. Send the army in and clean them out. Burn the houses, drive the people out. And they did. And it was, and it was horrific. But it is interesting that, that 30 years later that what will happen to Jackson County is what they did to the Saints in 1834, 1833. They will be driven out, their houses will be burned. It's one of the reasons why if you go into independence now, you'll, find, you'll be really hard pressed to find an antebellum home pre-Civil War because those were all burned and destroyed. So sometimes it's just interesting in kind of an irony sort of way that they had the same thing happen to them 30 years later. Is that the Lord saying, I'll take vengeance on you? I don't know. I'm just saying, I just find that... From history, you need to know that. Okay, so, uh, last thing. Um, we're going to talk more about this next time, uh, but I want to kind of finish this way. In February 1835, uh, Brigham Young and uh, his, his brother Joseph Young uh, have a meeting with Joseph Smith and they sing, they sing him a song. I didn't know Brigham sang, but apparently he sang. Okay, so those brothers sing a duet to Joseph. After the song, Joseph says, While you were singing, I had a vision. I want you to collect the camp of Israel boys and bring them all here. I have a blessing for them. And I want, and I'm, and I want it to be next Saturday. Uh, so they, they go out, they gather as many of the camp of Israel guys together to hold a conference and it happens on 14th and 15th, 1835. And from that, Joseph then brings in the three witnesses. The three witnesses' job was to identify the quorum of the twelve apostles. And he says, I want, brethren, the quorum of the twelve will come from the camp of Zion boys. Because you were willing to lay down your lives for the redemption of Zion, and, I'm, and the Lord is directing me to now is the time to organize the Quorum of the Twelve. Because up to that point they had a quorum of, they had a uh, high council in Kirtland and a high council in Missouri. Now there's to be the standing Quorum of the Twelve Apostles whose job is to take the gospel to the world. But it will come from the Zion Camp boys. So they will hold a meeting for an hour. He will explain all of that. Then they will sing a song. And then they will reconvene after an hour. They will bring him back. And the, and the three witnesses will then lay out, as they were directed in 1829, they will then name the twelve apostles that will come from this. But it's the song I want to I finish with today. This is, the, this is the song. 
Um, it's a song that they sang frequently on Zion's camp. And when the church made a film about this, they were able to get the, 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 the words and the music uh, for this. So I want you to hear what, the, what they were singing. It's kind of been dramatized a little bit, but it's, I, I think it's kind of cool. Um, and we'll finish with this. Oops, not what I'm looking for.
How's that? It's nice when you get the um, the actual things they were singing. So, quite a quite a moment in our in our life. But I also think that from this experience was was the idea of understanding exactly how the Lord would take vengeance. Uh, I stopped. Okay. Um, and it, and it continues today. And so, in a small way, we get to participate in the redemption of Zion by participating in the temple and by the things that we do in our ministering all has the same purpose that it had that Zion's camp had and that was the redemption of Zion and that we're kind of joined with them in that purpose and I I pray that we can do that and I leave that with you in Jesus name amen, amen. Thank you.